Hello all, welcome to the Lunar Seaspire Steven Universe Fan Podcast. This is episode 204, and today we'll be talking about Rebecca Sugar's sixth episode of Adventure Time, Mortal Folly. I'm GC13. And I'm David. So, enter the Lich. Yeah, this is fate of the world stuff. Um, <laughs> this has the big boy team on it, Adam Muto. In addition to Rebecca Sugar, you have Patrick McHale, who's famed from a certain miniseries on Cartoon Network. So, I mean, ooh, is there anyone out there who doesn't like the character design on the Lich? <laughs> it's, you know, they had the original character design sheets for Adventure Time, and there was sort of a description for each character to just sort of get describe the feeling for each character for these sort of beginning seasons. And the Liches is just like, the Lich is dead serious. There's nothing funny about the Lich. And... Sounds about right. That's completely carried out. I mean, his voice actor also does an incredible job of just giving the Lich this totally, you know, does not belong here feeling. <laughs> I mean, it's uh, not one of Ms. Sugar's episodes, but I do love his little speech in the, the that dimensional prison. Yeah, here we just get him, the longest speech we get is him sort of trapping Finn's mind and... Step into the well. <laughs> yeah, that scene also, I swear it was boarded by Rebecca Sugar specifically because the way Finn sort of stumbles and tries to catch himself before falling in the hole reminds me a lot of her um, work that she did in art school, the singles thing where the guy is falling in his short yeah. if you sort of look at that side by side i don't know there's something that i was like why does this feel so familiar and then i realized it was the way that dude fell so yeah it's very believable she said that you know how finn was rodeoing the lich and the lich smacks him up against the ceiling yeah she said that came from an idea she had for a comic she never made so she goes ahead and includes that in this episode yeah. Also, what a brutal takedown. <laughs> uh, obviously, this well predates One Punch Man, but just the whole way he used the sweater against the Lich is like, Saitama, is that you? <laughs> this is brutal. Like, his head rips in half, too, which is, um, you know, this is pretty dark for Adventure Time, but that's really what the Lich brings. It is the Lich's first episode, so what else do you expect? Another first, um, perhaps this is Rebecca's first wedding episode you know forgets ruby and sapphire here the ice king's proposal and what what did you think when <laughs> what wasn't this the moment you were waiting for gc oh Seeing... yeah the, like i i'm totally a uh bubblegum ice king shipper yeah man and i mean here... think of the alliance that would be unstoppable yeah Tom Kenny does such a great job about sounding like a total creep and the way he has to come through the latch with his wizarding card <laughs> to get oh. at Princess Bubblegum. I like the little ice cream person. She's eating like the just the what? What? Look on the ice cream person's face. And then when uh, the ice king's coming through, like he or she faints. Or something off <laughs> against the wall. Yeah, ultimately, they just look kind of slightly annoyed and then just very sad and disappointed <laughs> as they're being eaten. I love the little expressions. It was really funny. Yeah, the humor, though, uh, there's a lot of other, like, nut and ball type jokes <laughs> in this episode still. So definitely, you know, this is like a transition point for Adventure Time, sort of trying to take its plot more seriously. But where did Jake say to hit the lich? <laughs> <laughs> yeah well you know what they say holes are holes 
let's not go there. Hey, it's a direct quote. But yeah, the way they sort of brought in the story here, too, and this sort of transition point for the show, you know, this was the season two finale. It's kind of weird because it's not prompted from anything. Basically, all the episodes up to this point just kind of have self-contained stories. And the way they get to the Lich is by basically a non sequitur with just having everybody meditating at the beginning. I don't know what inspired them to kick that off because it's kind of weird, <laughs> right? Well, it gives them some some humor for, you know, Finn and Jake obviously have no idea how to not be active heroes. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, Also, this is the first, you know, premonition hinting at Finn's lost arm. (laughs) I don't know if at this point, you know, Finn's fantasy was actually supposed to relate to that or not. Well, they said they were in the commentary. They said they were very amused by all of the, you know, fan works that that spawned. I mean, I kind of got the impression that they thought nothing of it before that point, but people really latched onto it. Although maybe someone else who listened to the commentary could disagree with me. I don't know. Yeah, it's definitely something different that the Adventure Time team did, though, versus if this was Steven Universe, I wouldn't doubt at all that that detail had been planned the whole time. Oh, yeah, they got I mean, they had the Diamond Authority planned right from day one. So, yeah, whereas here, you know, I don't get this great sense of the Lich having this grander plan yet, like, you know, with him being like a a follower of Gulb or any of his other type of history, like I don't think any of that's really present here. Yeah, the the Lich as a follower of anything, I think, was a very late creation. You know, he's always portrayed as being his own evil, like really just an literally an omnicidal maniac. Again, the in the prison, he's saying that you know I'm going to sail to every world and kill everything everywhere. Which was never my favorite motivation for a villain. I'm really glad that Steven Universe has pushed that idea a little further. I mean, if you're an elemental evil, what else can you do, really? Sure. Well, I in that aspect, I do like that they made him a follower of something even greater than evil, because I love seeing evil <laughs> be met by greater evil. I feel, though, that there are some pieces to the Lich that are still unexplained, though, even from this episode. Like, Princess Bubblegum mentions the Lich's tower where he was, like, casting spells. I don't... Have we ever seen that throughout all the rest of the seasons of Adventure Time? Any sort of home base for the Lich? Like, I don't think so. And I don't think the pool of, you know, magic evil at the bottom of this random subway was ever explained for why it was in this random subway either. Well, they said it was the, in the commentary, they said it was the background designers who made it a subway. Like, they had they had nothing for the background in the boards, <laughs> I guess. Interesting. But they, they liked what they did with it. I mean, it looks really cool. They said specifically Ian Jones Cordy was responsible for adding the skulls to the the clouds, and they said that became a thing on the show afterwards. No way, that's cool. Well, this is like our intro into also including more of that post-apocalyptic imagery. Like, there'd been a lot of little, maybe crash plane, broken down car in the background of some of these episodes, but this actually takes us into a region that was clearly once inhabited by humans, and so probably got some fans' minds spinning back in the day. I mean, remember, we had just seen the movie Heat Signature that featured humans. Right. Well, I mean, even as far back as the businessmen, we knew that humans were a thing. I mean, Finn being the only human was a weird enough thing, too. But now we're actually seeing... Are the businessmen really human? Supposedly, according to some commentary or interview that I heard or read, that 
was initially what kicked them off into thinking more about whenever they were writing that episode, they were like, hey, what if there were humans? But yeah, we see this civilization. And so this sort of kicks off a lot of things out of nowhere. The only real connective tissue is that Billy was the one who had defeated the Lich, and we'd already seen Billy in yeah. the series. <laughs> Everybody loves Billy. I love his Billy intro. <laughs> oh, didn't the didn't like the gauntlet make that noise or something? Uh, I'd like to think the noise came from you know a, a realm in which only we can hear it. Uh, I don't think it said Billy when. Okay, Finn so you, saw you think it, it you think it might be you think it might be like Dendy's hack pack gets a cheer for it every time it's on screen. Yeah, except in the logic and rules of OKKO's okay, universe, I feel like everything we see on screen actually happens, including the mm. cheering for Dendy. You know, I don't remember which episode what got really trippy and KO even realized he was in a cartoon, but. You know, oh, yeah, the rules that was, of that uh, universe are pretty trippy. I can't remember its name. I didn't like it. The Hollow Jane episode. Yeah. Anyway, back to Adventure Time. <laughs> but yeah, the Ice King was acting dumber than usual this episode, I think. If if there can be such a he thing. He was dumber than usual back in the day. I mean, he was a dumb villain. He was a little more naive, I guess. Dropping Princess Bubblegum and <laughs> being, you know completely obstinate to what everyone was saying but yeah, they said that during the confrontation with the lich he was originally planned to be a lot more like uh demanding attention like hey how come you guys are all paying attention to the lich usually you pay attention to me pay attention to me but they're like it's making the scene too busy let's just have him shut up and watch yeah i feel like they could have tossed in maybe one of those like that's king you know could have broken up a dramatic moment as Finn and him were, you know, confronting each other. But I think I like it better the way that they had it, where we just deal with the Lich and Finn. <laughs> I mean, he he spent the whole episode breaking up dramatic moments. So I, I think we finally have to have the, the dramatic payoff that we so desire. Pretty much. Oh, oh, another detail from the commentary that I really liked. Originally, the sweater was just supposed to be a pink sweater. But I think they said it was Pendleton Ward who wanted to add some detail so it could be done with cosplay, and so they added the little heart stitch onto the front. Wow, that's that's a seriously considered creator <laughs> to think about cosplay. I mean, that's thinking about your fans right there. And, you know, it has that dual purpose too. Like, okay, sure, it's for cosplay, but it also makes it a lot more memorable. Like, I think about that sweater when I think about this episode, you know? It represents liking someone a whole lot. <laughs> that little pocket adds everything. That line is what I always think of. Uh, the, it, it's the power of... Liking someone a lot. <laughs> yeah, Jeremy Shada absolutely <laughs> just blew that one away. So good. I liked when Jake wants to go in and get get hugged by the princess too. Me too. <laughs> <laughs> Jake's sweet moments. Yeah, well, also not as sweet. It's something that Steven Universe hasn't dealt with as directly. We get a lot of like death and dying drops in this episode. Adventure Time is always more willing to address dying as a consequence of certain actions in the show. And Steven Universe so far has really only had shattering. I mean, Connie, you know, maybe being killed in battle has, has crossed Steven's mind. But here, sort of dealing with death as a threat 
sort of distinct, I think. I mean, they they even use the word follow the trail of death. Yeah, which (laughs) brought me back to my days watching Legend of Korra. And even though they could show asphyxiation on screen, they'd have to always talk about defeating the villain or (laughs) the villain defeating one of (laughs) one of their (laughs) enemies. So Uh, I, I don't get it. I don't get it. Yeah, well, all these Cartoon Network shows get the advantage of being PG. I don't know if we'll ever go back to that in Steven Universe and actually deal with a truly deadly threat. Like, we've only really seen the gems be a threat more to other gems than to natural life. Like, we've seen the effects of, you know, oh yeah, the kindergarten clearly killed a bunch of, like, plant life. But we haven't really seen, like, gems be the cause of, like any complex life's I mean, heck, (laughs) even with Frybo, it just wanted to force-feed people fries. (laughs) Yeah, it's not like anyone died or anything. What kind of real consequence is that? Uh, I mean, like, any any flashbacks to the Gem War would be rife for wholesale slaughter of human settlements, and, like, that's... that ain't nice. Yeah. Well, I feel like, you know, moments like... Not bringing it together, but it comes after we need to talk when Garnet first finds the forced fusions of yeah, the keeping shards, it keeping it together. And, you know, when she talks about the the shards being buried together, I feel like that's about as dark as Steven Universe has gotten in, in really recognizing the personhood of <laughs> of the gems that have died. And, uh, you know, the lich pretty clearly causes death <laughs> everywhere in this show. And, you know has actually seen, you know, that stuff happen on screen. I don't know if you will go that far, but Rebecca got to pull that off here. Let's see, what other fun details? I mean, they they talked about working on the Lich. They were trying to keep him away from the kind of wahahaha kind of villain, as they said. Again, fantastic job on the Lich. He's, he's He really sells the elemental evil aspect. Well, he even gets to do a me- <laughs> maniacal laugh as Finn's trying to kill him. But that's a totally different kind of laugh than someone who just laughs at his own evilness, you know? He's actually laughing at someone trying to kill him. I mean, heck, he might might be laughing at his own death, for all we know. He's a, definitely a different type of villain. Would an entity that wants to kill everything be upset if you killed it? I don't no, think so. I mean, I think that's what contributes to it. And that aspect of the Lich just being a being totally focused on death, <laughs> on killing until there is nothing and then some is uh, truly frightening. And I think that they really continue to pull that off through the series. So they, they started it here and they started it well. Oh, oh, another I just uh, I listened to the commentaries. This was a really good commentary track as far as learning tidbits about the episode they i think it was miss sugar herself who actually said that the sweater was at first supposed to be shooting out laser beams or something but she was super adamant that finn defeat the lich with just an ordinary sweater not a not a magical sweater an ordinary sweater (laughs) yeah there that speaks to rebecca's fondness of ordinary things that's actually really cool that she was so adamant about it I think it worked fantastically. I mean, don't don't get me wrong. It would have been cool seeing the sweater blasting people with the laser just like Billy Scotland did. But that uh, that rodeo that Finn had on the Lich really worked. Upon rewatch, too, I think way back in the day, this episode probably aired like seven years ago (laughs) at this point. I didn't check the date, but it probably aired around 2012 or 2013. So maybe more like Mm. five years ago. 
Yeah, no, I'm certain it aired in tw- yeah 2010, 2011. Oh, okay. Yeah, okay. So about as long as I was thinking then. Back then, for some reason, I thought that the Lich was more untouchable and that that sweater actually did have some kind of power that allowed it to tear through his skull. But upon like rewatch, no, it's clearly just Finn's just struggling and then eventually rips him in half. And so, yeah, that's cool. This sweater has nothing particularly powerful about it except for how it empowers Finn in his mind. That's such a Rebecca Sugar thing to do. Let's see here. Yep. May 2nd, 2011. Wow. This show's been all forever. <laughs> forever in cartoon years yeah i mean it, it was popular back in its heyday yeah this was probably aired at the height of its popularity you know i'd say seasons two and three were about when every shirt had bimo on it and every coffee mug had jake on it you know they were really pushing that merch and uh people were shouting adventure time everywhere if they were <laughs> also 10 or 12 years old hmm. or maybe some older who knows won't judge <laughs> yeah I mean, after an episode like this, how can you not? How could you not? Well, you couldn't because you were hanging on the edge of your seat as Ice King just drops Princess Bubblegum into a boiling pot of nuclear evil. And of course, then that starts off a little story arc that introduces us to one of the best side characters at the show. And they have a lot of one of the best side characters, but one of their one of the best side characters is Earl Lemongrab. (laughs) <laughs> yes. And so he comes as a direct result of the Ice King's uh, absent-mindedness. <laughs> and so really, can any of us be mad at the Ice King? <laughs> Many children's first introduction to Justin Roiland, who, <laughs> if you didn't know later, went on to create Rick and Morty, which is just what every child needs um, <laughs> a gentle introduction to. I mean, I'm going to give I'm, I'm going to give the Ice King dropping uh, bubblegum a verdict of acceptable. did you have any more thoughts about the episode did rebecca also do i guess everyone who boarded this one boarded the second one i don't think so let me let me check yeah mortal recoil was done by cole sanchez and jesse moynihan okay that's why it kind of feels like a different episode (laughs) it was weird that adventure time avoided really any real two-parters for a while even in this finale and yet these were always meant to be aired right next to each other because they follow so close to each other it's a lot of pressure for 11 minutes though that you know all these writers again adam and rebecca patrick McHale, pendleton ward they're all on this and they have 11 minutes to do what they want with the lich and then immediately turn it over to another team to take care of basically a secondary story yep and then they don't uh, they don't do what later Adventure Time would probably have done and return to status quo. Instead, they give us a, a new status quo to be in for a little while. <laughs> well, a very short, short-lived status quo, but sure. We get at least one episode with the new stuff. Yeah, if Steven Universe did that, though, like, oh, a character turns young, which is what happens to Princess Bubblegum, in case those are there are people not aware of... <laughs> what happens princess bubblegum becomes like young but it basically gets immediately reversed which is the thing adventure time does in a few episodes and luckily steven universe hasn't really done yet i can't think of an example where besides like a within episode change steven universe immediately reverses something it just did except for maybe lapis running away all the time Oh, I mean, I mean Lap- Lapis, you have a sign up. It has been, you know, three days since Lapis last left forever. 
Right. Luckily, I think we're finally done with that, although we'll still probably not see her for a while. Because as soon as we have everybody assembled on Earth, we geniusly are now at Homeworld <laughs> and we'll be there for a while. So we still don't have to worry about dealing with a cast of hundreds of gems in one place. Maybe Lapis can eventually get her own Fortress of Solitude, so instead of running away forever, she can just run off to there until she doesn't need her space. Well, she used to have that underwater. She just had a really crappy roommate. Oh, so. she is. Yeah, she's not all about the underwater anymore. That's why I think uh, I think ice would be better for her. Yeah. Well, we have yet to meet an ice gem, so maybe she can team up. We'll see. Anyway, guys, that's been us talking about Ms. Sugar's sixth episode of Adventure Time. Uh, join us next week. Until then, I'm GC13. And I'm David. Uh, don't forget to leave us a review on iTunes. Later, everybody. Our opening and closing music is by James Roach. For more Steven Universe fan-related content, please visit LunarCSpire.com. Thank you for listening.